we hear that the Lord tells us to move and we don't move. We're all commanded to go therefore and make disciples. If I ask and I won't ask, I don't want to see a show of hands how many made disciples in the last month, the last year, the last however long. Ask yourself, am I moving? There's a time to pray and there's a time to be actively involved and we need as Christians to move into action, saying something, doing something, being actively involved in obeying God when He commands us to go and make disciples? What are we doing in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our church to impact the kingdom of God? Are we just pew warmers? Or are we allowing God to use us for His glory, impacting the lives of others? It's not always easy or even comfortable, but God tells us to do it. We are to be lights that shine the light of Jesus in the midst of a dark and dying world. In today's message, Pastor Mark will encourage us to live a life that would impact the lives of others for the cause of Christ simply because that's what God asks us to do. Allow Christ to make a difference through you. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 11 with today's edition of Come Alive. And when it starts to bother all you and your friends, and then, hey, let's get together and do something about this. Well, what can we do? Well, we start with prayer. Maybe the Lord will show you something else. Because what if God called me to start a church in Katy, Texas, and I said, okay, I'm going to pray about it, which I did. And I stay in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I continue to pray. And I continue to pray. And I continue to pray. And Lord, I know you're calling me to plant a church, but I'm going to pray about it some more. And nothing takes place. Action is required next. Action. It's called a leap of faith. But a lot of times, oh, I'm just going to pray. That's my job. That's what the Lord has me doing. Nowhere does it say that you just pray constantly and do nothing constantly. It says pray. Where to pray? That's a good thing. The Lord tells you to sit still, you sit still. That's a good start, praying. That's good. And then have them pray. And then you meet up and you pray together. Maybe you start a prayer circle somewhere at one place. Maybe you stand outside of that abortion clinic or you stand outside of that topless club that's moving into your neighborhood. And you stand there and you say, hey, I'm going to pray that this place shuts down. Well, what about the people that lose their jobs? Pray that they get saved and they find good jobs. But, I mean, for us to do nothing, and I'm not saying prayer is nothing, but a lot of us, we hear that the Lord tells us to move and we don't move. We're all commanded to go, therefore, and make disciples. If I ask, and I won't ask. I don't want to see a show of hands how many made disciples in the last month, the last year, the last however long. Ask yourself, am I moving? There's a time to pray and there's a time to be actively involved. And we need as Christians to move into action. Saying something, doing something, being actively involved in something. Just don't 
sit there and say, I don't care, because our actions speak louder than our words a lot of times. We say we don't care if we don't act. We're either for God and all he stands for, or we're against God. And we can be like Jesus, and we can go out there and we can do stuff. We can minister to other people. If you did this, think about the change that you could bring about. Well, yeah, Mark, I got a job. See, there's a National Day of Prayer on Thursday. You you can act. You can go there and pray, and you might meet up with somebody that feels the same way, or you might see a table or a booth that's there. I don't know what's going to be there. They might say something. You might, man, I can't believe that's taking place. I can't believe that Houston's one of the number one places for, for trading, you know, slave trade. Somebody said on Highway 6, there's over 100 brothels. Just on Highway 6, over 100 brothels. And you'd never know that there are brothels there. And if you don't like that, and ladies, you don't want your husbands going there, and you don't want your friends' husbands going there, then, hey, pray about it, get a group, stand outside and silently protest in prayer. It's not going to have a sign that says brothel, though. Yet we do nothing, and we wonder why. We do nothing. Can't figure it out. Why? Yeah, but I got a job. You think God won't provide for you if you're doing something for him? If he calls you to do that, you think he can't provide? Could it be the spirit of God that comes upon you and moves from frustration to fuel? And I have learned in my own life that from that fuel, I sometimes move from frustration to foolishness in my own life. That's when I act in my flesh and I sin and I say, oh, and do stuff that doesn't honor God, thinking it's the right thing. Sometimes I don't take the time. And that's when Jess looks at me and says, really? Really, bro? You just did that? Well, yeah, I had to fix it. Well, you should have took it to the mechanic instead of super gluing your hand to the steering wheel. Well, I thought the super glue would work. I didn't know it broke open. I mean, there have been times when those crazy things happen. So I have to control that frustration and allow the fuel to be fruitful. And so... All of us should want a fruit-bearing life. Every single one of us should. And so with God, all things are possible. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, So he took a yoke of oxen, and he cut them to pieces, and he sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of the messenger, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And fear of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out with one consent. This is pretty amazing. So Saul sent some little ox gifts to the people with a newsletter, and I think it was pretty threatening. It was probably a threat, and it was to deter anyone from saying, hey, when we needed help, these guys didn't help us. Saul saying, hey, it doesn't matter. Uh, They're in our fellowship. They're part of us. They're part of our group. We help. It doesn't matter if that guy didn't show up to help the last time we had a church picnic or painted the floors or hung lights or whatever. It doesn't matter. We're going to go help them. We're going to go. So he, he sends a little note. It wasn't a note with flowers that said, hey, guys, you know, there's some, you, there's some brothers and sisters in the fellowship, and, you know, they're having a real tough time. There's a guy named Nahash, that snake. You know him. He's out there, and he's trying to pluck out their right eyes. And so, you know, if you so feel led, please come and help. I always love that, that Christian. If you feel, I don't feel led. You know what led is? It's a heavy weight. It'll hold you back. 
I mean, how do you not feel led when God says, go do something? I mean, how do you, well, let me pray about it. And who are you praying to? When God asks you to do something, that'd be like me telling my son, hey, Asa, go get something. And his mom says, yeah, Asa, go get it. And he stops and goes, well, let me go ask my parents. You'd look at that kid and be like, really? Do you know who we are? Oh, yeah, but let me just check with you guys in a minute. I mean, we laugh at it, but that's what we do with God. Evangelize? Well, let me pray about that. I don't, Lord, I just, you need to, who do I evangelize? Do you want me to evangelize? Oh, no, I don't feel led. It's, it's a heavy weight. It wasn't about feeling led. Who feels led to go to war? Who feels led to take a life or lose a life? Nobody feels led to do that. Lives are lost. I never got that if God leads me to do what God wants me to do. Led, again, it's a weight. It'll hold you back. And just you just read about being truthful in love. We should actually say, if we're going to be truthful in love, you know what, I really, I'm not, I don't want to do it. I'd rather take a nap today than do church stuff or do Christian stuff or do what God's called me to do. I, I, just be truthful in love. I don't want to share my faith. I'm afraid of what people think. I'd rather hang out in my yard or whatever and blame you later, Lord. Blame you for not using me. But let can be God leading you. He might be leading you. You might feel led and you just resist it. You fight it. And when other brothers and sisters do that, it's going to cause us to show up as what happens here as one man, as one body. And to get that stuff done. So what's being said with the cut-up oxen? Well, he's saying, if you don't help, this is going to happen to everyone eventually. Saul is saying, we have a responsibility to each other. And you, church, we, church, have a responsibility to one another. Who do you call from our fellowship and pray with or have some devotional time with that's in your that's not in your immediate family. Who from our church? I mean, how many of you have communicated with each other this week and have had some prayer time, devotional time, some counseling time? I mean, you think about that. Who? I mean, do well, I'm just going to stay to myself. I don't feel led to call. Really? You don't feel led to pray? Isn't that something that we're supposed to do? Pray with one another? Doesn't the Bible talk about the hymns and the psalms and giving those to one another? And like, hey, bro, you know, when the Lord puts someone on your heart, we call them, we talk to them. We just don't do that. I mean, if you do it weekly or twice a month or once a month, that's pretty good. That's good. That's better than average. We even try to help you out in this manner. We try to help you with the second and fourth Saturdays, get you in here to fellowship with some brothers you might not or sisters you don't know. Guys with guys, girls with girls, or Wednesday nights, third Friday. But what about the rest of the time? Some of us aren't seen till Sunday. Kind of like Groundhog Day. Some of us just poke our heads up out of Sunday. Oh, here I am. Sunday's here. I'm going to walk out of the house. Going to be seen at church. And I'll go home and get back in the house and live my life, my little life. Verse 8. And when they numbered, when he numbered them in the children of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah 30,000. 330,000 people show up to help the people who didn't help. It's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bank that everybody went out. 
Verse 9, and they said to the messengers who came, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. And then the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. I think I would be glad too. Verse 10, therefore, the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do with us whatever seems good to you. So they go out and they're like, Hey, Nahash, we're going to come out tomorrow. We're going to show up. And this is the seventh day, and we'll be here. We are not leaving. And this is where it gets good. It's kind of like, hey, so can you wait here in about a couple hours? We're going to have a party, and you guys are invited. You're going to be the pinata because you're going to get beat. Verse 11. So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and they killed the Ammonites until the heat of the day. It's a killing spree. It didn't stop. Anybody ever see Braveheart? Those guys at battle where there's nothing but blood and heads falling off and stuff. I mean, I just, I'm like, whoa, this is my kind of stuff right here, man. These guys showed up, 330,000. Saul splits them up into three companies, and they go after these guys who are trying to hurt. They're like, hey, we're defending our people, our faith. We're defending our land that God has given us. And so it says, and it happened that those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. Think of that. There was no way that they were going to have a breeding population of Ammonites. They were scattered, no two of them. So now let's go back to the God of love. Is this a loving act? Sure it is. I tell you what. I'll show you love for my family. One of you guys run at my wife or my kids with a knife and watch what happens. I'm going to love them till you die. That's love. That's evil coming after God's children. Oh, yeah, but that's not right. Oh, yeah, it is. It wasn't right when he was going to pluck out the right eyes. I mean, you, you got to weigh your options. Whose side are you going to play on? Satan doesn't love you like that. He's going to allow you eternal torment. So verse 12, and then the people said to Samuel, who is he who said, shall Saul reign over us? Bring them in that we may put them to death. What's that talking about? Remember back in chapter 10, verse 27, those guys that were complaining about Saul, it says, but some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Saul held his peace. So these guys are like, hey man, Saul can't do anything for us. And all of a sudden, Saul does something. Now, a couple of things here you got to think about. Some of these people think these rebels should die. Look at verse 13. But Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day. For today, the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. And then Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Three things if you want to be successful spiritually. If you're taking notes, write them down. Number one, have a willing spirit. That's what we see here. That's how it starts. When you Look back at Abraham, Noah, Moses, Joshua, and forward to David and the apostles, Peter, Paul, John. They're willing. Willing to do what? God's will. They're willing to do God's will. Well, what is that? Whatever God calls you to do. 
Well, how do I know? You read your word, and you'll see that it's God's will. It's important. The phrase, if you will, is throughout Scripture. I was going to do a count on that and see how many times it was mentioned, but my computer shut down. But if you will is a phrase you see throughout Scripture. There are so many promises that are preconditional are preconditioned on what God will do after I've done what I've been called to do. There's a ton of those verses. Now, that's not a works-based faith. It's just what happens. Believe it or not, there are some who are not practicing Christianity, but rather they're just practicing church. Did you know you can go to church faithfully, carry a Bible, and have a really cool Jesus bumper sticker on your car and still not be a Christian? It goes back to the, the, the McDonald's illustration. You can hang out at McDonald's all day long, but that's not going to make you a Big Mac. And so, you know, we, we can do that. And so, you know, they even have their own Bible, and it's all marked up. And you can still just practice church. Nowhere in Scripture do we see that call, uh, somebody being called a Christian to not do his will. Somebody that is a Christian is called to do his will. So nowhere in Scripture do we see that carrying a Bible... And going to church makes you a Christian. And so when God, as my commander-in-chief, calls, if you think about it, if we were in the military and your commander-in-chief called you out to go to war, you don't have the option to say no. Not without certain punishments. See, my only response to God is obedience. And how many are doing the will of God? That's my prayer here, that each and every one of you are doing something in this fellowship to help people grow and to do the will of God. Help people grow and to do the will of God. Well, I don't know that much. That's okay. There's somebody that probably knows less than you. And if you don't know a whole lot, then you need to sit under somebody that does and let them help you grow. And then you go find somebody and you do that. And you watch how that reproduces and how amazing that will be because then you will see something amazing happen in the lives of this community and even in this neighborhood around us. In this neighborhood around us. Number two, Saul is inexperienced. So number one, have a willing spirit and also be inexperienced. I was talking to a guy yesterday and he was talking about how, you know, he's being considered to be a youth pastor and all these other people that are candidating for this position have all this experience and all this Bible school and blah, blah, blah. And this, this church is really considering those people. And I said, you know what, if God really wants you to do it, it doesn't matter if you're inexperienced. You're probably the better guy anyway. Why is that? Well, think about it. You got to unlearn all those bad things. I own a business, and I get guys all the time that work for other companies, and it's like, really? No, you're not doing that. I'd rather have the guy that knows nothing and teach him how to do it my way, the right way, than some other crazy shortcut way because somebody was trying to cut costs. So inexperience. Verse 5, you see that Paul was a farmer. He's behind some oxen plowing a field. He wasn't out there running military drills with some friends. He was a farmer. He doesn't know how to be a king, so he's plowing until God calls him. 1 Corinthians one twenty. where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made the foolish of the wisdom of the world? So this is foolishness. I mean, think about it. If Saul was a great commander, an army guy, he probably wouldn't have fought Nahash, knowing what he would know about Nahash being an awesome leader, somebody that's never lost a battle, and how ruthless this guy is. He probably would have never gone out. He took a guy that was just like, okay, Lord, I have no clue, but I'm just going to trust wholeheartedly on you. Let's go. 
And you're like, well, he divided up the command three ways. The Holy Spirit probably told him to do so. I mean, haven't you ever had those times where God tells you to do something, you do it, and you're like, whoa, that worked out perfectly. I had nothing to do with that. My own intelligence isn't that good. And so we see those things. Those who want to be successful spiritually need to have that willing heart, number one, number two, and experience. Why? And again, if they were, if Saul was that military guy, they most not likely would not have gone out the battle. They would have been like, you know what, you guys go ahead, let them pull out your eyes, we'll be there, we'll rescue you, we'll pull you back and get you one by one back. But that's not the way they did it. Saul's not smart enough on his own, so he can do nothing but trust God. And God uses that inexperience in your life and in my life all the time to get his will done so he can get the glory. Not you and me. Just think, Saul could be like if he was that military leader. Man, I did it. My smarts, my expertise, many years of battle have caused me to know that if I divide the guys up in three companies that I will... He'd be like, dude, shut up. Who wants to hear you brag about you again? Because he says right here, it was the Lord that did it. It was the Lord that has accomplished salvation in Israel. The Lord saved him. I love when that happens because I can't take credit for it. It's kind of like taking credit for building the church. I know how to do this. Man, I remember when we called and somebody was like, do you have church insurance? I'm like, what's that? And they're like, yeah, you need to get that. I was like, all right, hang up the phone, call, get it. We just learned every step of the way. And it was all the Lord that provides for us all the time. So Saul divides them up into three companies in verse 11. The people would be, man, that was really cool. How do you know? The Lord spoke to my heart. That's how I know. And you got to love when that happens. So do you want God to use you? Just be willing. And after he uses you, have the eyes to see that it was God. It's real, real simple. Real simple. That God can use you. Use your inexperience. Use your willing heart. And so here we come to the end of this chapter. And we see that Saul has a great start. And they celebrate the Lord. And the salvation is there for those guys. And in your life, maybe you're in a struggle or in a battle. And we talk about some things. Maybe you're rushing somewhere to do something, to get something, to a loan or some solution or some relief. And maybe you're like, well, I I don't get all this. I don't know how God's going to really help me out. How can God help me? And if you don't know the Lord, today would be a good day to come to know the Lord and let him work for you. Because again, inexperience is a great thing. We just saw how it worked. And so today, let today be that day where the Lord comes and is your salvation. You may be familiar with David's story in the book of 1 Samuel, but did you know he was just one of many important characters from the verses of this Old Testament book? Many people's lives are intertwined to bring about God's plan, even some who weren't following their creator. God used each person to pave the way for David to ascend the throne and ultimately to bring about salvation for the entire world through his line. Today, you may be a David in your own world. God may be calling you to huge things that will take you to potentially dangerous but ultimately wonderful places. On the other hand, you might be someone God is using to prepare the way for another or to support them in their role. This doesn't in any way diminish your importance. Wherever you are in life, you can be demonstrating God to the world. 
If you'd like us to pray for you as you seek God's will for your life, please give us a call. We can be reached at 281-391-5503. That number again is 281-391-5503. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other editions of Come Alive, we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Find us on your smartphone app store or subscribe on iTunes. You'll receive up-to-date teachings as soon as we make them available. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time to continue studying through 1 Samuel right here on Come Alive.